I've been uh, speaking, uh, this is the sixth Sunday, uh, how to live keys to a victorious Christian lifestyle. Uh, five or six Sundays ago, uh, I spoke on the first key, which was we must refuse to live with regrets. If you have a regret in your life, you need to get rid of it. You need to ask for forgiveness of it. We cannot live a lifestyle of regret. Oh, this happened. Oh, I wished I would have done. Or I wished I had done that. You know what? That is a lie of the devil at this point in time. It's not what I wished I would have done. It's what are you going to do now? What are you going to do today? You can't change yesterday, but you can change today. And you can change tomorrow. And you can change every minute of, of life that you live on this earth. So refuse to live in regrets. Even if you regret a bad marriage, you regret a, someone who's angry at you, you regret you know, things that have been said about you, you regret your own life, or you gr- regret who you are, I just want to say you can't live like that. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a new creature. You are no longer who you were. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Amen. And we have to sometimes forgive ourselves, many times forgive ourselves for carrying that pain for many years. Get rid of past regrets. Okay. We can't live in them. Second key was the importance of fellowshipping with one another, with genuine believers. The importance of it. It's one thing to gather together with people, but when you gather together with genuine believers, the family of God, we must not forsake that. And I know that goes kind of opposite to what we're being told right now, um, you know, with this COVID and pandemic. And we've always said, you know, we this platform and pulpit that we need to follow what these ordinances are and the guidance of the government in our lives. We need to be obedient to it. But I will tell you what, if I don't need to wear a mask, I'm not wearing a mask. If you want to wear a mask, though, I bless you. Because there's times where Sharon's wearing a mask uh, and I'm not. We go shopping and she's wearing because she felt more comfortable with it. So you hear what I'm saying? It's not out of fear. So if I ever say anything about wearing masks, please understand my heart. My heart is if you're wearing it because fear has driven you to wear it, or you're wearing it because it's responsible. Two different things. If fear drives us to do something, then our, our belief structure is in the wrong place. Wash your hands. I wash my hands more right now than ever. They get dry. I have to put stuff on. I went and uh, put some, my hands were dry last night, and uh, Sharon always, I thought you'd done scented hand lotion. I put it on last night, and I sound like, what did I smell like? Some sort of an aloe vera fluffy perfume thing. I went, oh, great. I'm glad I didn't do that Sunday morning. No, okay. Am I fluffy? Oh, you like me fluffy. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. I know. What was that? What did you just say about my, who yelled out they like me fluffy? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's important that we gather together. And if we can't do it personally right now, at least do it by Zoom, do it by phone calls, uh, do something, okay? I thank the Lord that we're still open here, um, you know, in the churches to be able to meet within the guidelines and, and restrictions that they've placed on us uh, and, and whatnot. But I just, I want to encourage us, make sure that you continue to fellowship. Do not isolate yourself to such a level. Depression sets in, frustration sets in. We're losing more people due to depression right now than we ever have in history right in the middle of this season. And suicides, higher than we've ever had. Drug overdoses, alcoholism, to the level we've never seen before because of depression. But you know what? Hey, keep essential services open, right? Sorry, I'm just... 
I don't consider alcohol an essential service. If you drink as an essential service, you need a problem, you have a problem and you need some counsel. We don't drink to drown our problems. I know something, the best drink ever. It's called a new wine. <laughs> it's a new wine. And you can even drive drinking this wine. Unless you get hit too hard, then out of courtesy, pull over for safety's sake. But if you're drunk in his presence, that's a good drunk to be, amen? The third key was do everything as unto the Lord. And that's so important. That we live life to do everything as unto the Lord. Excellence, exactly. Be excellent in our Christian faith, amen? The fourth key was knowing and following the will of God for our lives. That, that even in the middle of these situations and the pandemic, our call does not change due to a pandemic. Your calling in your life does not change due to a leper colony. Your, your calling in life does not change due to it's a thunderstorm of rain out there or snow or I, I was talking to some of our pastors up in, uh, uh, our Windward pastors up in Alberta in Peace River and I'm saying, yeah, man, it, it's tough. I'm on a Zoom meeting with them. I'm like, yeah, shucks, you know, I, uh, I, it, it got down to like two degrees and it feels so cold and they're, they're just blank staring at me. Uh, we live in Peace River, northern Alberta. Two degrees? Are you complaining about two degrees? It was like minus 20 or something with a wind chill even higher. I'm like, okay, okay, I'm not complaining. It's okay. You're called up there to live. I'm called to visit and come home. The fifth key was always live our lives from the eyes of faith. Boy, do we need that. We need eyes of faith like we have never had before. And I feel like, how do we do that? Open our eyes. Not to see the things of the world, but to see the things of His kingdom come, His will be done. See the things that God is doing through this land. The sixth key today is being continually filled with the right spirit. The Holy Spirit. I believe Holy Spirit is an essential service. Not some other form of false spirit. Right spirit. There's spirits and there's the spirit. And we need to have that as an essential service in our life. Mask free in that, in that store. Because the Holy Spirit store, you don't need a mask. You don't need social distancing. Okay, let's go shopping in Holy Spirit store right now. Because what, what do you find in the Holy Spirit store? Blessings, courage, honor. All nine gifts of the Spirit are in the Holy Spirit store. How many feel they need just a little bit more of a nine gifts of the Spirit? It is the Holy Spirit who empowers us to all that God has planned in our lives. It is Holy Spirit. We can make the decision with Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior, but the empowerment of His Spirit, it should drive us, drive us, drive us into the things of His kingdom, into the things of His glory, into a faith that is so reliant on Him that nothing is impossible beside us or in front of us. 
Jesus himself depended on this Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that came down like a dove as John the Baptist baptized him when he rose from the water. A Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit came down like a dove and resided on Christ. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. This is Peter talking about what John had preached in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. I tell you what, Jesus Christ was anointed with the Holy Spirit of power to go into all the world and do good and heal people. He watched the miracles that happened. And he didn't have to say, in the name of Jesus. He just walked, filled, cloaked in the presence of the Holy Spirit. He, know, he needed no other spirit. He only had and needed the Holy Spirit. But you know, his whole life growing up, up till 30 years old roughly, Jesus walked in his Father's Word. Obedience to the Word of God was his lifestyle. It wasn't until he got baptized that the Holy Spirit came upon him. And I believe that God is looking for the people that are willing to walk in the obedience of His Word. First, that is the utmost importance in our lives. Out of that, the Holy Spirit, the promise of the sent one, comes upon us and empowers us in His Word. The wind of the Holy Spirit on the Word of God. That has to be our lifestyle we must continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. I truly believe it's not a one-time event. Oh, yeah, I was filled with the Holy Spirit back in 1982. Really, you must be dry as all get out now. That's the last time you drank? In 1982? Oh, my goodness. There needs to be a, a filling and an infilling to overflowing on a daily basis. So when we walk, we leak all over the place. We become like a fountain of leaking presence. Because the purpose of being filled with the Holy Spirit is not just for you or just for me individually. It is corporately as well. I have people ask me, does that mean you have to speak in tongues? Does that mean? And you know what? I, I don't want to go into the depths of theologies, but let me say, tongues is a gift. It's open for you. My theology, personally, is not if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. I do not believe that. I don't find it in Scripture. Yet some denominations teach it. I still love them. The brothers and sisters. Others teach that it's the lesser of all gifts and should never be done in a public place. I get it. I grew up with that. Others teach there is no more speaking in tongues. It's the devil's language. I don't get that. And I rebuke it in Jesus' name. Because I have had to pray over demon-possessed people and they are speaking to me even though the person knows no English whatsoever and they speak in a deep, harsh voice and they speak perfect English to me. 
And I started speaking in my heavenly language. And I remember that devil, that demon in that person, he looked at me and he talked to me and he said, that language means nothing, it's just gibberish. And I said, you know what, it might be gibberish to you, but to me, it's my communication with my father. And I will tell you, it is a father of power and authority over all this earth. And it, and it shut up. Ended up being seven demons in that one 15-year-old girl that came out. Four hours it took. That was many years ago. But I want to tell you something now. I don't believe we need four hours. I have a freshness in my theology. Remember, theology, theos ohaliha. That's the word theology. It means man's interpretation or man's study of the scriptures of the Bible. So theology, when I say my theology... It's my studies of the Scripture, which, you know what? It's subject to change. It's subject to change. Because I thought after my seminary training, I knew all things. I was deemed a pastor, and I didn't even have a church. I knew it all. I lost so many friends over arguing theologies. Some of those theologies were... Pre-trib, mid-trib, and post-trib. And I lost friends over that. Are you kidding me? Should we argue over the, is, is Jesus coming back before the tribulation, middle of the tribulation, or after the tribulation? I no longer will even argue the theology of whether or not uh, 40 years after the death of Christ, there, and, sorry, 40, and he returned, if there's a partial preterism in there. I know friends that have that understanding and believe we're in the new earth and things are getting better and better. You know what? I, I'm okay. I'm okay. I, I, it doesn't change who you know Jesus Christ as. But I have my faith, my theology, my own understanding in it. And I know that some parts of Scripture God doesn't make clear enough so I know or you know. But you know what? The fundamentals of Scripture... They're the Word of God. Whether or not we stand and we sing hymns or we, we sit and sing hymns or we stand and we praise, whether we dance in a service, whether Jesus Christ is coming back before the tribulation, before or mid the tribulation, or at the end of the tribulation, I live today as today is my last day. That's where I live. That's what I'm called to live. I don't know. I feel like we're in tribulation already. Oh my goodness, he must be coming back before the end of the year. No, I'm not saying that, but if he wants to, let him come back. I read the whole night, September 1994. I went all down those paths and I looked at it. Remember the Y2K? Oh my goodness. Sharon and I and our, our three kids were out on an island of Micronesia called Pompeii in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. As missionary evangelists, I was captaining a, a large medical, 340-ton medical dental ship. I was the, the evangelist, the captain. My wife was in the dental part of the ship. And, and I remember Y2K. Oh, my goodness. And I had, my internet was really slow, but I, I always get these updates from, from some of the believers that bought like tons of generators and food and I'm out here in the middle of this island. It's 12 miles in diameter in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. 
And I remember taking Sharon and our three little kids at that time up onto the hill that looked out over the harbor. We could see the Sea Haven, the ship that I operated in the harbor. And we sat up there. Beautiful moon out. The stars were out looking at our watches. And then I got thinking, hmm, which time zone? So our midnight, we were up there rejoicing under the beautiful handiwork of the Creator. His stars singing and dancing in the heavens. And Y2K came, and it went. The things of this earth will come, and they will go. Holy Spirit is for all eternity. We have to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit, not so you and I live a, a happy, joyful life. That's step one, but step two is so you and I, filled with the Holy Spirit, can bring joy, can bring happiness, can bring comfort to the people around us. Ephesians chapter 5 Verse 18, this is Paul speaking. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 18. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. You see, the filling of the Spirit many times is, is almost like you've been drinking something. The new wine. No government tax on the new wine. Better than Okanagan wine or BC wine. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. In other words, don't ever let your problems and your trials and your sorrows bring you down to where you have to find another spirit. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, for He is our comforter. Verse 19, speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Speak to one another Yeah, this is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't isolate. Speak to one another. I have to deal with some of our First Nations pastors that have been calling me and crying out for prayer because the suicide rate has, it was terrible before, but it's tripled now. I want to tell you something. There is something so messed up with what's going on in the world today right now. It is not of God. And there is a true fear that is in so many people. On average of light flu-like symptoms. I, you know my heart if you've been in this place before. There's a bad virus out there called COVID-19, absolutely. Thus, influenza is a terrible virus. It actually, influenza in Canada, Canada especially, is, kills more each year than what COVID has so far, on average. It's interesting, though, how all of a sudden, if you look at the statistics for Canada, how many people we normally lose in an influenza season 
versus the number they have scheduled now, we're like, what are we, 15 to 18,000 people in Canada on average? And for some reason, this whole influenza season, we're at like eight or nine or something. Oh, six, someone's saying six. I don't know the statistics, so don't, don't get mad at me if we're off by one. Do you hear what I'm saying on an average flu season, influenza season? It's roughly in the thousands, like 16, 15, 18,000 people in all of Canada die of influenza on a yearly basis. Did you hear what I said? We're somewhere around the six, eight, 10, 20 people. It's a miracle, yeah, look at that. God's doing something. I'm not going to bring up, I'm not a conspiracist. I don't preach my political perspectives from this pulpit, but I will preach what the Lord has in my heart. Influenza, viruses, COVID kills people, especially the vulnerable. It does kill people. Protect yourselves. Be safe. Absolutely. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. That's totally fine. I mean, if all your windows are rolled up and you're the only one in your car wearing a mask on a 20-hour drive, I probably wouldn't do that. Actually, right now, you're not supposed to do that because I don't even know if we're supposed to leave the valley. Just don't live in the fear, and that's forcing you to do it. Compliance is one thing, but the fear of it that drives you to a level where you no longer trust in God as your healer, that's the problem I'm talking about. Verse 19 again of Ephesians 5, verse 19. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. In other words, when you speak to each other, speak with happiness, speak with joy, speak with the psalms and the hymns of the Lord and Savior in your heart. Don't speak about all the issues and all the problems and keep drugging those things down. It will depress you and the person you're talking to. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Every day I wake up and I thank the Lord. And many times throughout the day I am thanking Him. Oh God, thank You for Your goodness, for Your love, for Your Son Jesus, for Your Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3, starting in verse 17, Paul speaking again, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love. Oh, how does Christ dwell in our hearts through faith? What does faith and Christ's love look like in us? Grounded and rooted in love. Somebody hates somebody, find Jesus more. Verse 18, may be able to comprehend with all the saints. So interesting how the Bible talks about the gathering of the saints, the unity, the coming together. It talks about the family gathering, the coming, the unity together. I find it very intriguing and interesting and extremely sad that right now the number one thing getting nailed in both the United States and Canada is the gathering of the family. It's the foundational biblical roots that are deep in my heart for five generations. 
And I feel like it's being eroded right in front of us. And I feel like we need to start thinking and preparing our hearts for when we rise up and stand up and say, you know what, that is just way too far. Not to fight against the government, I'm not saying that, but for crying out loud, if I can go meet with you somewhere in business, we could go hang out for a couple hours in the liquor store together. But I can't have you come over for 15 minutes for a coffee. That's what I think of that. This is the rock. And it's time. It's time. In our own lives, we throw the rock to the ground that we stand on it. It's one thing to have it deep in our heart, but is it our foundation? Oh, yeah. I'm a Christian. Well, you can't meet with your family. Okay. Oh, I'm a Christian. It's, it's the whole core values of my belief structure. It is my constitutional right to have this freedom. Yeah, but you can't have church. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm getting a little frustrated. I'm still abiding. But when I go into another country, into what is called an underground church, I went in very well knowing that us gathering together was against the law. And they very well knew that if we gathered together, they could go to jail and me. But man, oh man, when we came together as a family, the windows were all blacked out, smuggling me into this basement meeting, middle, like at nine o'clock at night, car windows are smoked out, blacked out, no one can see. They literally would open the door as close to the door, the car door as close to the door of the building as possible. The four men would grab me and usher quickly so no one could see me, pushed me down the stairs to get into the building and bam, the door slammed. And I looked around, 400, 500 believers gathered in the semi-darkness of the basement of the warehouse. And I want to tell you what, Holy Spirit, when he came upon us, they no longer cared how loud they yelled and how loud they screamed. Miracle signs and wonders happened in that Islamic nation. Verse 18, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Jesus Christ. The width, the length, the depth and the height of His love, of His presence. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. 
The disciples were so wonderfully filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Most of us know the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And as the disciples walked with the filling, they, they were accused of being drunk early in the morning. So they must have been a little bit... Whatever it was, this Holy Spirit that came upon them in the upper room that they had never experienced before, a mighty rushing wind uh, and tongues of fire, bam! They had never experienced it before. They were there all night. And they got out in the morning and the religious people mocked them. You're into the wine a little bit too early in the morning. But as his disciples walked, filled with his presence, filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm not saying that the filling of the Holy Spirit, you have to look drunk. I'm not saying that at all. Or so many times I will sit in a service during worship getting filled and filled and filled, and, and the peace that passes understanding just overcomes me, and I sit there in awe of his presence. You don't have to jump and jiggle and fall down. No. And if you do it and it's not the Holy Spirit, shame on you. But so help me if the Holy Spirit comes on you and there's a joy that starts to come in and you feel like laughing, I would say go for it. But as they walked, these disciples walked on this earth filled with the Holy Spirit. The automatic reaction is that when you have Holy Spirit living in you, filling you and filling you, miracles start to happen around you. Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Acts 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together. So this is after the filling of the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit came upon them in Pentecost. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. That's in the morning. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms for those who entered the temple. Verse 3. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked for alms, money. Verse 4. And fixing his eyes on him, listen to what Peter said. He looked at that lame man. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter. And he looked at the lame man. And he said, look at us. I want to speak to the spirit of fear. Look at us. Because I refuse to walk in it. And Peter said, look at us. Oh, our religious minds, if I said that. Look at me. Look at my wife and I. Oh, he's just boastful. That Brent Porthra, he's just full of pride, self-absorbed. He wants us all to look at him. Well, I hope if you do look at me, you'll see some form of Jesus in me. That's my prayer. But Peter is bold. How many of you know that? He said to the lame guy, look at us. In other words, as verse 5 said, so he gave him his attention. 
Look at us. Quit begging. Quit being a pauper attitude. Quit begging for everything. Quit focusing and dwelling on your infirmity. So he gave him his attention in verse 5, expecting to receive something from them. He still didn't even understand. Verse 6. Then Peter said, This is not what a poor person begging for money wants to hear. The first part. Silver and gold I do not have. But this is the part what people need to hear but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk what's the very next verse and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up See, it wasn't just quit being a beggar, quit living in a poverty mentality. We all know, basically it'll say in a bit, 40 years, you've been a lame man. But God didn't call your destiny to be held back by an infirmity. He didn't call your destiny to be held back by fear or by issues and problems in this life. But you see, then Peter, he walked over and he said, grab my hands. Oh, COVID. Can't touch. Fist shake. Fist pump. Verse 7 again. And Peter took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately, his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And so he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. <laughs> it's amazing. It's miraculous. But very shortly in the, in the coming verses, They were told not to use the name of Jesus, not to speak, not to do this kind of stuff. Look at chapter 4 of Acts, Acts 4, starting in verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. Oh no, these guys have no schooling. What a threat that is. Oh my goodness! We gotta take them out! Are you kidding me? You can go to all the schooling of this world that you want, but I want to tell you how to be schooled. It's right here in the living Word of God. So when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, how many of you know 
that true boldness like this if you went into the Walmart and saw a lame person or someone walking and you immediately pulled your mask down and went up and laid your hands on them that'd be bold you'd probably have every one of the little Walmart guards running after you oh what would we do well can you imagine when the person gets out of their wheelchair now the government is held bondage by the miraculous lifestyle that you live because they know that if they condemn you for touching that person all the people will have known that that person got healed and gawked out of the wheelchair how much boldness will we want so now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men they marveled they were quite impressed actually my goodness you guys should know nothing but look at what's happening we know everything and we can't even do that that's from the religious leaders of the day that's who's bummed out about this and they realized that they had been with this guy named Jesus verse 14 and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them they could say nothing against it but when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council they conferred with themselves saying what shall we do to these men for indeed that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem and we cannot even deny it Verse 17, but so that it spreads no further among the people. That it spreads no further among the people. It's like the name of Jesus became a plague. It's like Christianity started to become a pandemic. What do we do? Verse 18. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. I'll tell you what, if that ever comes down into this country, I know exactly what I'm going to do. Verse 19. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you, more than to God? <laughs> you judge. Verse 20. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and we have heard. No one will stop me from sharing the testimony of what I have seen and what I have heard. Verse 21, so when they had further threatened them, they were threatened, they threatened these guys for doing what? For touching a man? And raising him up from, from his lame condition for 40 years? So when they, had, when they had further threatened them, they let them go. I wonder... How much will be threatened before we're either let go or imprisoned? 
finding no way of punishing them because of the people since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old in whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Tell you what, we're going to be persecuted and rejected every now and then. Maybe once in our life. Yeah. As a Christian, right now, I would say in Canada and America, we're the most persecuted religion in Canada and the United States and the world. So what happened? So the disciples gathered together again and prayed for boldness to preach the word of God. Right after they were threatened, they got together and prayed for the boldness of God to continue in them. And when they gathered together and prayed, they were filled again with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 4, verse 29, as I get ready to close. I'm sorry, I've gone a little bit long, but I'm not sorry. Compared to our normal services years ago, we didn't, I'm not going long. Verse 29 of Acts chapter 4. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness, they may speak your words. I want to cry out right now. Now, Lord, look to your servants. Look to your people right now. And look at the threats. One of the greatest issues we have right now with our senior officials. Because they have this number, magical number, that they say is not magical that we can gather as a church. But they say that it's a number that they feel they could contain if an outbreak happened. But honestly, people, as pastors, we were threatened that if we go beyond that number, we will be mocked and shamed. News agencies will come. And they'll win. We will wish we have never been in ministry. Verse 29 again of Acts 4. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants, all of us, that we, with all boldness, we will speak the word of God by stretching out your hand to heal. And that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, can we all stand? I want to ask us right now, I'm not calling at all to be defiant. I'm not saying that at all. But if there's an injustice that's into your life, if there's a lack of faith, if there's a lack of boldness in your life, then I am calling, I'm calling for radical revival in your life. A revival that will not walk in the fear of man. Again, I'm not saying disobey the laws or the ordinances of this land. I'm not saying that at all. Follow the laws of the land. But I will say at some point in time in life as a Christian, we will have to make choices and decisions 
as to what that might look like in us. Let's read the scripture together again. As I read it, just take it to heart, I mean. As I read it, just take it to heart. Verse 29 again. Now, Lord, look on the threats of a pandemic, the threats of sickness, the threats of disease, the threats of being struck by lightning, the threats of being killed in a car accident, the threats of dying of old age, the threats of cancer, the threats of whatever it is, the threats of the person that gets yelling at you because you you actually got like 0.2 of a meter too close. But grant us all, I pray, Lord God, right now, everyone in this room and everyone watching on TV right now, I grant that you, you, you will bless us with boldness. That we may speak your word. How do we speak your word? It's very clear. Verse 30, by stretching out your hand to heal. You know what? If you see someone in the store and they're sick, you know what? Maybe don't lay hands on them. Just walk by. But stretch your hand out to them. Even if you're at the end of the aisle, look at them and stretch your hand out to them. That the signs and wonders may be done through the name of Jesus, our holy servant, Jesus Christ. And right now, as a team, as a family gathered together in this house and in our extended churches and our satellite church, right now, as a team, you watching on TV, on your internet, right now, gather together. We cry out as we pray together that where we assemble, it shook shaking of your presence and we are all filled with the Holy Spirit and we will leave this place speaking the word of God in boldness Jude 1.20 but you beloved building yourself up on your most holy faith praying in the Holy Spirit keeping yourselves in the love of God looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ until unto eternal life so we pray our Father let's pray it together our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever even past 2020 and all the people said amen amen, amen. we have a prayer team up if you'd like prayer have an amazing week and we'll see you next next sunday